how have you experienced the effects of alcoholism or addiction transforming into the effects of recovery? Welcome to episode 359 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Sheila, Laurel, Kate, Sonia, Hilda, and Michaela. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Sheila, Laurel, Kate, Sonia, Hilda, and Michaela for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer. I am your host today. Joining me today is Colleen. Welcome. Welcome to The Recovery Show. Thank you. We usually open with a reading. I think you might have picked a couple of readings. What are we starting with? So if we start with the reading from Courage to Change, which is April the 6th. Just as the common cold has symptoms such as a runny nose and sneezing, alcoholism also has symptoms such as blackouts and mood changes. I have to accept that I too display symptoms similar to those of the alcoholic, among them obsession, anxiety, anger, denial and feelings of guilt. These reactions to alcoholism affect my relationships and the quality of my life. But as I learn to recognise them and to accept that I have been affected by a disease, I begin to heal. In time, I discover feelings of self-worth, love and spiritual connectedness that help me to counteract the old responses. No matter how severely I have been affected, Al-Anon can help restore me to sanity. Alcoholism is stronger than good intentions or genuine desires. I didn't choose this family disease, neither did the alcoholic, so I try to behave with compassion for us both. Today's reminder. My acceptance of this family disease allows me to stop wasting energy fighting a hopeless battle and turn instead to sources of genuine help and hope, Al-Anon and my higher power. And the quote is, by accepting the idea that alcoholism is an illness from which problem drinkers and those who care about them can find relief, you will have no reason to be ashamed of alcoholism, no reason to fear it. And that quote was from, so you love an alcoholic. And the reading is from Courage to Change One Day at a Time. And that's from the Kindle edition. Thank you. You wrote to me suggesting this topic. I think you were inspired to this by a conversation I had with Esther a ways back. That's right. Yeah. You wrote, we often hear about the effects of this disease, but I've never heard the phrase, the effects of recovery. It has really made me reflect as I have found over the past couple of months, my recovery has really changed the way I feel internally. I've heard that this disease is physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental. I have been reflecting that the effects of recovery are also physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental. As I work my program, it changes my internal climate. So that's what you wrote maybe two months ago. As we were just talking before I hit the record button, you said that your thinking has changed a little on that. I don't know where you want to start exactly, but the inspiration and what it has brought up for you. Yeah. So when I first heard the phrase, when it was in the episode service in Al-Anon, and I heard Esther say the phrase, the effects of recovery. And yeah, it sparked off lots of different synapses in my brain going in all different directions about what are the effects of recovery and not, not, never really having heard that phrase before it felt at the time like it was the sort of the opposite of the effects of the, the disease or the effects of recovery but over the last couple of months as I've been thinking about the topic I think there is definitely that aspect of it things like it mentions in the reading you go from kind of obsession to clearer thinking from anxiety to feeling calmer inside yourself from anger to acceptance and from denial to acknowledging awareness acceptance and action but there is the other aspect of it as well that I've recently been experiencing which is the other aspect of it as well which I've recently been experiencing which is that I think sometimes and I'll use an image here which I've been thinking about recently we recently moved house and when we arrived there was a bit more work maybe that needed doing on it than, than we'd originally realized and one of those bits of work that needed doing which we which we did realize in uh, this particular thing was that the fittings in the bathroom were really not to our taste and one of those things was the toilet seat. The toilet seat was very decorative and we decided we didn't want to keep it. 
My husband thought it was going to be a few minute job to get it off and it was much longer. And we'd use, he'd used WD-40 to try to release the bolts and all that was all the attachment and it didn't work. So I was in town shopping with our daughter at the time and he called me and said, can you get me a hacksaw, some bolt cutters? And I think sometimes my original idea about this topic was like Al-Anon with a WD-40, which kind of gently releases us from our shortcomings working steps four through six at the moment whereas actually sometimes it's the hacksaw sometimes it's the bolt <laughs> I, I, I um, love the visual there <laughs> it's so tangible yeah that's what I've been experiencing recently that the hacksaw has, yeah I've, I've really noticed since we've moved house we moved house for lots of good reasons a bigger house you know, for lots of positive reasons for our daughter and yeah but it brought up some unexpected kind of traumatic experiences from when I was a child and also from my recent history where my mum who wasn't alcoholic but she passed away five years ago it, it made me realize how much physical stuff I've kept hold of since her death as in loads and loads of stuff scattered all not scattered literally not all in one place it was in, in the loft it was in my bedroom it was in so, you know, all this stuff that I hadn't really thought about because I just stopped looking at it, but it was there. And having to go through the process of sorting that out and that then leading me back to the process of when I was a child. We used to move house a lot. I had the awareness recently that not only did we used to move house a lot, but I didn't really have a permanent home until I was six. And I'd never, ever thought in those terms before. But now when I think about it, we didn't because we moved. Me and my mum was the home. The place that we lived was different quite often. It just, it struck me like a bolt of lightning almost, but that was my experience. And obviously I've known that all that was my experience all my life, but I hadn't ever realised how much that bit of my experience had affected me. And so I was listening to your show and I've got random episodes downloaded. My phone that doesn't seem to have any particular way of downloading episodes. It downloads old ones, it downloads new ones. And one of the ones I had on my phone was the Adult Children of Alcoholics episode, which I think was from last year or the year before. And I was listening to the lady share about how ACA, how there wasn't any crosstalk, which I really found powerful, that the idea that there'd be no crosstalk at all. The idea that they cover a lot of trauma work. That was specifically my bit of recovery that I'm going through today. And also, I love the phrase that I've heard in your show a lot recently. Probably you probably haven't said it a lot, but I've just heard it a lot because it's what I've needed to hear the gift of desperation. I say it a lot. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely do. So yeah, I've had those three things, that the no crosstalk, the trauma and the gift of desperation that kind of led me to this new effect of recovery that I didn't expect to be talking about two months ago, but that is definitely an effect of my recovery today. Yeah, I think the original intention, Esther mentioned in, in the um, episode about rewiring our responses rewiring our behavior and how much of a difference that can make on our lives and so that is still very much the case but there is the other aspect of it as well that's kind of one of the effects of recovery is coming out of denial and that can be coming out of denial of that there's a problem or it can be coming out of denial after 13 years in the program of realizing that part of my life wasn't really as I thought it was. That's a lot and I, oh, the word unpack came into my head mm -hmm. and I realized there's a we use that as a metaphor sometimes mm -hmm. for let's dig in a little bit to what was just said. But also, if you're moving house, it's not mm -hmm. a metaphor at all. No, it was very real. Yeah, it was You had real. to pack and unpack. And I thought I'd like to maybe take this idea of moving as a metaphor for recovery. So you talked about going in the attic and so on, finding things having to decide what to do with them and packaging them up, which to me feels very much like inventory, our, yeah. our step four inventory, bringing them out, maybe bringing them out to your husband and saying, mm -hmm. look at this thing. Is this something we need to keep? Is this mm -hmm. something we don't want to take with us? And you said you're working with steps four through six. And so yeah. packaging them up, deciding what to take, what not to take, that's like step six and seven. So that's, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I have not moved house in over 30 years. I dread the idea of doing that. When we moved to our current house, we actually moved twice in six months because at the time the housing market was not solid. 
and we wanted to make sure we sold our house before we moved halfway across the country. So we sold our house in the summer, moved into basically an apartment for the rest of the year. And we moved crazy people. We moved in December. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but we did. And I remember my wife saying to me at the time, something like, I've heard that seven moves is equivalent to a house fire for getting rid of stuff. I don't know how we're going to get rid of some of that. Our next move is going to be into a smaller location. And we're going to have to do a lot of discerning and a lot of inventory about what is important for us to bring with us. So I bring that back to this idea of the alcoholism and addiction in our loved ones had effects on us. And in recovery, we are changing those. You said replacing, for example, obsession with clearer thinking. I thought replacing obsession with loving detachment, because if I think about my obsession before recovery was with my loved ones drinking. My loved one was still drinking after I came into Illinois. With the help of the program, I was able to change that obsession with how much is she drinking, et cetera, et cetera, into this is her disease acting. I can love her, but I don't have to lie awake at night thinking about it, which is the loving detachment that that I learned here. I think... For me, it's almost a general thing. I can apply it to mm-hmm. anything in my life. So it can be something for work. It could be something with my family. It could be something just with anything that I'm doing. I can either obsess about it to the point of it's always in my thoughts. Oh, my goodness, I haven't done this or I haven't done that or this is happening, that's happening. And it just goes, you know, it kind of whirls round and round. Or I can stop and pause and listen to my higher power giving me direction about it. And then that will allow me to think more clearly about it so that I'm not then worrying and obsessing and anxious about it. Yeah, and it, it can literally apply to, to anything. From So, for example, the other day, I got an email at work about somebody was upset about something and said that I hadn't done something. I thought that I had done it. And I thought, OK, I can obsess about this all the evening before I go back to work in the morning or I can hand it over and let it go. We were talking about obsession and some of the things that have come into our lives to replace obsession. There are other effects of the disease or maybe isms, we might call them, that uh, were mentioned in the reading, such as obsession, anxiety, anger, denial, feelings of guilt, Mm. probably many other things. Those were the ones that were in the reading. Mm. I, I took a moment to think about, for me, what is transformed there. And I wrote it down as one to one, like anxiety, has been replaced with serenity. I remember distinctly the first day that at the end of the day, I was in an Al-Anon meeting, so I was primed to think about this sort of thing that I hadn't been anxious all day. Is this what serenity feels like? You spoke about replacing denial with the three A's, awareness, acceptance, action. How did that work for you? How do you see that working in your life? It's a big one. (laughs) It's a big topic. Yeah, I think It can manifest itself in so many different ways, in as many ways as the disease can manifest itself. The the denial can be there. Yeah, I think with one example might be my relationship with my dad, where since I mentioned earlier that my mum had passed away, and since she passed away, and before she passed away, in the years that I've been coming to Alan, our relationship has really improved. And yeah, he's spent some of the best times that that I've had with him over the past sort of 13 years or so, really gentle times together and enjoying each other's company. And I had a, I guess one of the, I was, I'd gone back into denial, even though I'd had the awareness that he was, that he had a drinking problem, the acceptance that that is who he is and that I might get a call from him at any time. You know, it, this was in the past where he doesn't really drink very much anymore, but I might get a call from him at any time of day that might be fueled by alcohol. His behavior wasn't my responsibility and just to accept that all of him is, is him. I, I seem to recall that you wrote about this transformation mm. and yeah. that one of the actions you took was setting a boundary, for example, not answering the phone when you felt that he might have been drinking. Yeah. So originally, early in my recovery, when he was still drinking, that was a boundary that I thought in my head, right, I won't answer the phone after a certain time, just in case he's been drinking. 
But then that changed because he changed. It didn't work anymore to say after five o'clock because it might be that he'd been drinking at 12 or 11am or whatever it might be. So I had to change my response. So I had to think, instead of thinking, I'm, I'm only going to pick up if it's before 5pm, I'm only going to pick up if I can accept the fact he might be drunk. Right. To me, I hear the whole awareness, acceptance, action process happening in that change in where you had your boundary. And it became, and I love this, it became not about what his behavior might be, but about what your ability to respond in more healthy way to what his behavior might be. And that I heard you, maybe not in exactly those words, say, I became aware that this was not the boundary that was working for me. And I had a process and I decided to change it in this way. Beautiful example of of that for me. Yeah, that for me was one of the huge effects of recovery, that, that change of knowing my boundaries, knowing myself, so that I could then respond to him or anyone, whatever it might be, as far as my program could help me with more compassion and understanding and myself with more compassion and understanding but yeah I love so there was there was a reading there was two readings recently it was in on the same day and I love it when the readings match up like this and I, I write a sentence from each reading each day mm-hmm. uh, from courage to change hope for today and one day at a time and the hope for today readings he said something like denial is a shock absorber for the spirit and the one day at a time reading said prayer is medicine for the spirit and I just thought okay yeah so denial can be my shock absorber and then when I'm ready to come out of that shock prayer is where I need to go lovely yeah I didn't put prayer in here but does despair and fear I think that to some extent the antidote for despair and fear is prayer does Mm. that make sense in one of the first groups that I used to go to, I've relocated since going to those meetings. I go to a different one now. But in one of the first groups that I used to go to, there was a little card on the table that said, courage is fear that said it's prayers. Yeah. Do you want to bring in the other reading at this point? Yeah. Yeah. This reading responds to when I mentioned earlier about the sort of the, the change in the topic as I've been thinking about it. It went from being about replacing a shortcoming or replacing something difficult with, with the program. It became about the effects of recovery on, on my health and on my body and on my, in terms of trauma as well. So page 88 in how Al-Anon works, families and friends of alcoholics, our mental and emotional health. Mentally and emotionally, we can find ways to stimulate our minds and validate our feelings. We can read books we enjoy or put our thoughts on paper in an essay or a letter. We might begin a new course of study or learn a new skill and open ourselves to some different interests. We can strive to to become more honest with ourselves about what we think and feel. We can find appropriate ways to express ourselves. We might examine our emotions, whether alone with a sponsor or with professional help. Because recovery involves tremendous inner change and upheaval in addition to whatever outside changes are occurring, many of us need to take extra care of ourselves emotionally. The feelings aroused when denial is challenged, new projects are tackled, and a whole new way of life is adopted can be overpowering. We may experience tremendous fear, rage, guilt, or depression. That's the hacksaw. <laughs> right. right. I forgot about the hacksaw. Change, even wonderful, positive change almost always involves some grief for the old way of life we are letting go, even if that way of life kept us miserable. For those of us who have been emotionally shut down for years, the sudden flood of emotion can be frightening. If we keep in mind that this intense emotional turmoil is usually a temporary and natural part of the process of recovery, we may more easily accept the experience and take steps to make ourselves as comfortable as possible under the circumstances. It is especially important to provide ourselves with a place to express these feelings where we will receive the support and encouragement we need, such as a regular Al-Anon meeting at which we feel comfortable sharing. It is also important to be reminded that feelings aren't fact. No matter how intense the feelings may be, they are only feelings. They are reactions to, rather than reflections of, reality. Therefore, they are not necessarily the best basis for decision-making. Other people can help us to value the experience of our emotions without acting on them in ways we might regret once the feelings have passed. Some of us begin to remember long-suppressed traumatic events from the past, 
that are emotionally devastating to relive. Suddenly, explosive feelings erupt that we were not capable of handling at the time of the trauma. They seem uncontrollable and terrifying, and we may fear they will never stop. Of course, this experience will eventually pass, and the feelings will depart, but in the meantime, we need to treat ourselves with extra tenderness. Emotional trauma can be even more disturbing than physical trauma. Just as we would need time to heal after major surgery, we need to recover from the emotional effects of past abuse, abandonment or violation. But not all of our emotional experiences are unpleasant. We may also discover new joy, passion, creativity, excitement and a sense of wonder. It is essential to make room in our lives and in our psyches for all of these new positive feelings that can energise the pursuit of further growth and make life so much more enjoyable. And that's the end of that reading. Okay. Speaking of unpacking, do you want to unpack that a little bit as to how you have seen that working in your life? Yeah. So I think that reading really spoke to me. And I don't even know why, why I opened it onto that page. Obviously, I'll say higher a, power moment about that. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for some, some more readings to include in, in the episode. And I found this one and just, just all of it talking about the long suppressed traumatic events. In the past that are emotionally devastating to relive I've found that I'm almost at once experiencing the traumatic events of really early childhood almost like wordless grief from really early childhood to the traumatic events of when I lost my mum five years ago and I realized um, last night I've had all these little since this week I've started um, attending ACA meetings as well as Al-Anon meetings and out of that has come the realization that I'm holding on to that I hadn't really thought it talked in the reading about being emotionally shut down for years like I haven't been emotionally shut down for years in every aspect because I've been coming to meetings I've been working my program I had so many positive experiences from it but that part has been shut down for years I realized last night I've still got the same suitcases that me and my mum used to use when we were moving from that time of my life those are the suitcases that her stuff is in now and I'm holding on to it and I'm, I'm still waiting to be holding those suitcases at the door with my mum going somewhere. And it was like this hugely powerful moment of realising that, that I will get a tremendous amount, I think, from going to ACA meetings for that reason, because it's this, that the inner child is still needs a lot of care more than I realised when I first set out on this topic, but also more than I realised just in my meetings, and, you know, in work of my programme in, in other aspects of my life. I've forgotten about that small part of me that really needs a lot of care. I'm going to connect that back to the whole moving house thing and comparing to inventory because we often talk about the steps and the inventory step in particular as being like peeling the layers of an onion that as we take off one layer, we find there's another layer underneath as I do inventory and steps five, six, seven, et cetera, to say, oh, I identified these things that I like about myself, these things that I'm not happy about. Now I can ask for and work towards change. That uncovers another layer of stuff that I didn't identify in the first place. So yeah. if I think about moving, if I... Even just think about clearing out a room in the house. I see, oh, there's all these boxes and there's cupboards full of stuff that, and those are easy to identify. Like I have a box and I need to do something with the box. I have a cupboard full of stuff. I have to do something with that. When I open the box or when I pull the box away, there's something behind it. And in your case, there were these suitcases that probably had been sitting in the back of a closet or somewhere for a long time. And you had forgotten even that they were there. You knew you had stuff in that room or, or wherever that needed to get moved out. This is what happens. This is what happened to me in recovery. I've gone through a formal fourth step, I think four times. Each time I found new stuff. We, my wife and I, We'll be moving out of this house probably within five years as we start to downsize our lives. We thought maybe it would be good to not leave all the cleaning, all the packing till we're actually moving. And yeah, we're uncovering stuff. Oh, I didn't know this was here. I'm loving that metaphor and I hadn't thought about it before till you till you brought it to me. Thanks. Oh, that reading had so much in it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Change, even wonderful positive change, almost always involves some grief for the old way of life we are letting go. I have found that. I remember realizing that an activity that had given me a lot of enjoyment in my life was something that I I finally realized that I just wasn't getting that anymore. It didn't have that impact on me. I had actually been to a conference for this hobby activity, and I wasn't engaged. I wasn't getting out of it what I had gotten out of it in the past. It just wasn't as much fun as it used to be. And when I came home, I realized that I had moved past that, that that was something that no longer was really part of my life. And and I had to grieve that. And it's been replaced with other stuff. There's another phrase in here where it talks about finding joy. I underlined it here. We also discover new joy, passion, creativity, excitement, and a sense of wonder. And that has also happened. And And I wonder, have you had that happen in your life where you let go of, of old stuff, but you found new stuff? Yeah, so I think that for me, actually, that's a huge part of this move. We moved to our last house and the house that we just left not long, really, after my mum had died. And I saw it as a fresh start. We were I was starting a new job and it was going to be, I wasn't actually in the program at that time. So I started coming to Alvin on in 2008 and I stopped just after my mum had died and I was also unwell. And I, so it was in the gap of leaving coming back so I left and the house that we'd moved to it was in a new area I was starting a new job and it felt like this is going to be I had all these ideas about what this house and what this job would give me it all fell apart the job that I was starting was just awful I was there for six weeks and handed in my notice I'd gone for the interview talked about my vision for the job it it was kind of what I'd always wanted to do this job talked about my vision in it talked about what my experience and how it related what I'd seen somebody do at my previous job and how I wanted to implement that at this different place all fine got the job got there and the senior member of staff immediately made it clear that none of that was going to be possible, that she didn't agree with anything that I'd said and that unless I did exactly what she wanted, she wasn't going to make my life easy. Like I said, it wasn't long after my mum had died. My mum died when she was 55 and I thought, you know what, I could die when I'm 55, I could die when I'm younger than that. I'm not going to waste my life in a job which is toxic. I'm not going to waste my years where I could be doing other things in this environment that I'm going to be bullied in. Another member of staff that I was working with said that this had happened before to people with this senior member of staff, that it was a pattern. And I was like, I'm not putting up with this. I'm I'm going. And I moved to a different job. And not long after that, I discovered that I was pregnant. And that kind of hadn't necessarily been it was in the plan, but it wasn't in the plan at that re- right. as early as it was. <laughs> so my view for what the previous house was going to be wasn't at all how it was, but it was a thousand times better. It was a thousand times better. It was, they talk about beyond your wildest dreams, that my, my high power isn't limited by my imagination. But part of moving to this house and moving to a different area, it, we've done a lot of it for my daughter. So we've moved here, moved to this house, moved to this area for our family. So I let go of what I thought I needed to achieve in order to be happy. And I am so much happier because of it. Isn't that the way it happens sometimes? Huh? Yeah. Wow. What else do you want to say? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm going to ask the, the question that I often ask. You probably, as you're, this is interesting because you've got a long-term experience with al but you're brand new to ACA. Mm. So I'm going to ask it in two ways. One is, what might you share with a newcomer in Al-Anon about how the effects of recovery have worked in your life? And the second is, as a newcomer to ACA, what I, I'm not even sure how to express the question. What are you looking for the longer time people in ACA to share with you? Maybe I don't. Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it does. Yeah. So I think from the point of view of my experience in Al-Anon, I think that the effects of recovery are, when I think back to, I was 21 when I first came into Al-Anon, and when I think back to how scared I was and how lonely I was and how depressed I was and how I didn't really know myself and my relationship with both of my parents was just, uh, you know, 
breaking point. If I could have told that 21 year old how, how much it would help, sorry, <laughs> and how much of a difference it would make. It was, yeah, it, Alanon gave me back my relationship with my mum. It could have been that for the last eight years of her life, that we hadn't spoken, that we'd had an awful relationship, that we couldn't be in the same room as each other. But instead, for the last eight years of our life, we got closer and closer. And I was there for treatment and I was there when she died. And that couldn't have happened without Alanon. That the love, the rediscovering the love that, that had always been there. But knowing to go from, yeah, to go from so much sadness and so much pain to having so much love, it's worth, it's, it's worth at least trying it. It's worth giving it a try. But somebody said to me in my first, one of my early meetings, just get you, right. <laughs> and, and it's even easier now to get your bum on that seat because you're at home, <laughs> you're on Zoom. So, and yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's beyond your wildest dreams in so many ways. Yeah. And just give it a try. I, I've never come out of a meeting and regretted going. Yeah. And I Thank guess you. From, from the, from the ACA point of view. Yeah, I've always known about ACA, but when I first started going to meetings, it wasn't really a big thing in the UK. There wasn't a meeting local to me. Well, actually, there still isn't a meeting local to me where I live now, but there are a lot of meetings of ACA in the UK now. And I've been going to, I've been to three of them um, so far. And yeah, do you deal in your adult life with the trauma when it comes up, when it can be so big and such like I, I remember thinking a little while ago about I think it might have been either shared in the ACA podcast that you did or a different podcast that I've listened to. You talked about flashbacks, like how, yeah, I guess just what are the best ways that you've found to to help you with that? If I was speaking to a long time member of ACA, that's what I'd like to know about how they how how they use the tools. What, what are the tools and how do you use them? Do you use the that it makes it for me it makes it such a visual image of i can just loosen things up mm. and change happens and sometimes i have to cut something out of my life cut cut out a behavior but sometimes it's just it's much more drastic i like that. i love that you reframed my question as what would I say to my younger self? What do I wish I, ha I had been able to say to my younger self? Yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. I love that. I sent my, we've got a WhatsApp group and I sent a message to ask if anybody had any shares about the effects of recovery in their life. And this is what somebody wanted to share. So she's written. When I stepped into an Al-Anon meeting three years ago, I was terrified and didn't know what to expect. I was an emotional wreck mentally, financially, and physically. I was trying to make the alcoholic in my life better. My qualifier was my daughter, my only child who I loved dearly. A member of AA asked me at an open meeting that I attended if I'd heard of Al-Anon and suggested I go along to a meeting. Looking back, I can see I had become insane. I was so obsessed with my alcoholic's life and all the bad stuff that comes with alcoholism. I couldn't cope anymore and I felt my life was over. I didn't see how unwell I had become. I had lost all hope and didn't have faith in anything. I thought that if I went to a meeting, I would be told how I could make my daughter stop drinking. If I could do this, everything would be okay. Everyone was so welcoming in the fellowship when I arrived at the meeting. I listened to members sharing their story. They all sounded so familiar to mine. I realised I wasn't alone there and there seemed to be so much love and understanding in the meeting. After a few weeks of attending, I wasn't hearing how I could help my daughter to get well. I was hearing how to take care of myself, look after my own well-being, how unpracticed I was at that. I never understood alcoholism was a disease until I came to Al-Anon. They helped me see I didn't cause my daughter's illness, I can't control it and I can't cure it. I felt ashamed before and believed I must have been a bad mother because my child was an alcoholic. Through Al-Anon, through the steps, the literature, my sponsor and a loving group I was lucky to attend, Al-Anon offers me a way of life like no other. I'm happier and healthier in my life now. I have met some wonderful people in the fellowship. They have become my Al Anon family who are always there for me as I am for them. I've learned to use the tools and slogans in the programme to improve my life. They have given me peace and serenity, which I believed was impossible. I can now detach with love to have self-respect for me and for my alcoholic. I have choices with my own life. I see now that I don't have to be sucked into someone else's sickness. 
I'm a grateful member of this fellowship. It has helped me to give me my life back. My journey of recovery is ongoing. I will never have all the answers, but I hope by continuing to go to meetings and working my steps, I can improve my contact with my higher power to help me in everything I do. I thank God every day that my daughter is in recovery. I now have a better relationship with my daughter. My own journey towards recovery has helped me to have this. I've learned to be grateful for the little things in life. My relationship with my higher power has become central to my recovery and the pleasure I take in life. And she's written, she's written, let go and let God, but it's also corrected it to let go and let good, which I think is also quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> let go and let good or let go and let God is never far from my thoughts. And that's from Tina. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. I, I, that's a great perspective from earlier in the program and uh, reflects many of the things that I experienced early as well. So thank you. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery is working in our daily lives. You picked some music for me, for us. <laughs> What's the first one? So, yeah, this song, oh my goodness, it's, uh, so it's called Sit Down, and it's by a band called James. And I have always loved this song from, I remember, I think I first heard it when I was about 10. And it was, yeah, I think it came out in the 90s. And I remember just, oh, it's a song that you can just dance around to, just throwing your arms in the air, throwing yourself all over the room. And, and yeah, I, I've read different interpretations of this song online when I was thinking about it for the show. And one of the first interpretations that I read about it was that it's about sit-ins and demonstrations that happened in the 90s. And then another thing that I read was that the, the songwriter had written it when he was coming out of a period of depression, which is something that I identified with a lot more. And I think the lyrics reflect a lot more from my opinion. It says, those who feel the breath of sadness sit down next to me. Those who find they're touched by madness sit down next to me. Those who find themselves ridiculous sit down next to me. And the lyrics sound quite sad, but the, the way that the rhythm of the song kind of comes, it's almost like a joyous occasion to all be together with that. Like to go, we can experience that and we can be together and we can still be okay. There's just so much of it that, that reminds me of, that there's also a lyric in it that says, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. And that reminded me of the dynamics of an alcoholic relationship where if I hadn't seen that person be so amazing and wonderful and kind and caring when they were sober, I wouldn't now feel like I'm in a pit of depression when they go into the opposite behaviours. If I hadn't known how amazing they would be or they could be, then that's the sense of loss, I think, mm -hmm. the grief. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? I like to think about how I use the principles of recovery in all my affairs. This morning, before uh, we came to record, I was in a meeting and we were talking about step six. It is a step meeting, so we cycle through the steps. And we usually read from the book Paths to Recovery. That is, that's how we open the step. We read the description of the step in that book. I have heard that reading a few times, let us say. I've been coming to that meeting for several years, and it only takes 12 weeks to get through the steps. So I thought, rather than going back to my normal step six this is how I view step six. This is how it has worked for me when I don't have some specific thing that I can relate it to, which happens sometimes also. I went to the workbook, Reaching for Personal Freedom. Sometimes we call it the green book. It's the book with the tree on the cover or whatever. And it has short readings and questions for each of the steps, traditions, and concepts. And I found this reading. Step six is one of the most practical tools in Al-Anon. And I thought, think I understand that now that I certainly did not see it that way when I was young in the program. Continues, the first five steps lead me to an honest assessment of my life, including a new relationship with a higher power who propels me forward. Step six shows me how to move forward with that power. 
I'm aware of the need to work step six when I find myself tripping over some thought or concern. If I'm running conversations in my head with people who are not with me or going over and over some possibility or fear, then probably I'm aware of some aspect of my life or character defect that I am entirely ready from a higher power to remove. There's a little story in the reading and and then I immediately thought of step six and knew I was entirely ready to have God remove this defect of character. Now, when I'm tempted to obsess on some future conversation or event, I change my mind immediately and turn my thoughts to something else. For me, step six is a very practical way to get out of an obsessive and dangerous way of thinking. And I will say, I don't have the obsessive thinking, as we like to say, hamster wheel, as much as I did before I came into Al-Anon because then it was just running continuously, keeping me from sleep, etc. But it still happens. And it happened in the last week where uh, I was doing something with some people last weekend. And after I left, I thought, I think I didn't do something that I should have done. I didn't say something that I should have said. And I may have left some people feeling hurt. I don't know that was the case. Memory is very selective in some cases, but it might have been. And that thing just gobbled up energy in my head, particularly trying to go to sleep energy for a while. And I eventually was able to tell myself, you can't do anything about it right now. There may be something you can do the next time you see these people. Let go of it. Hand it over to my higher power. So this reading, I hadn't connected that to like to step six, this notion that really there's something going on there that might be larger than just that one incident. I think that's the way I take this reading. And it might be exhibiting for me a character trait that... I want to have some change and that maybe this is my reminder. We also read from Paths to Recovery. We read the reading about what in my book is called the six P's in later books. They've removed all these six P's, three M's kind of terminology. I wish they hadn't, but that's me. Where it talks about in particular pain and payoff. So when I'm considering a character defect, what pain is it causing me now? But what payoff am I getting from it if I'm not ready to let go of it? And those kind of come together for me that I'm being reminded of the pain. And it gives me an opportunity to look and say, am I still getting the payoff that I thought I was getting? And maybe I'm not. And maybe that is going to help me be more ready, be more willing to accept change in this part of my life. So, that's my story of recovery for this week. How do you experience recovery in your life? So this week, like I mentioned, I've been to three ACA meetings in one week. Wow. So <laughs> Diving right extreme. in. But yeah, in terms of Al-Anon, I, I went to a meeting this week that I don't, I've only been to it once before. I couldn't get to my home group meeting this week. So I went to this other meeting that somebody that I've met through going to Zoom meetings is a regular member of the meeting. I thought, well, I'll see her there and I'd like to, I just need to, I just need a meeting. So I went to this one, this meeting this week. and. It was strange because on the day I was I was re-listening to the episode where Esther had talked about the effects of recovery with prayer myself. And I didn't actually hear her say the phrase again, which is really interesting. But in that podcast, you talked about how service can just be showing up. So you don't have to be PI coordinator or group regional, whatever. You, you literally just show up in that service. So I went to this meeting that I've only been to once before and I shared. And there was a newcomer there after I'd shared when she came in later. She referred directly to something that I'd said and said oh now I feel like it's okay for her to be there like she it meant that she identified strongly with what I said to the point that she didn't feel like a fraud being there that I think newcomers well like, I can still have that feeling of imposter syndrome of oh maybe I shouldn't really be here but something that I'd said had spoken to her and that that really helped me as well because I was in a place that I was just not I've really been struggling over the last few weeks with this sort of traumatic feeling of just these waves of from rippling from the past and just to know that even just going to that meeting and just talking about doing a share and being there 
I was being of service to somebody and that kind of helped to ground me a bit so that, that was really positive yeah and yeah just been doing a lot of yeah I guess a lot of a lot of in- inventory thinking about what do I need to keep what do I need to keep literally as well as um, emotionally with my mum's stuff yeah I've had two twice it's happened to me now so it must be it must be coming from a message that I need to think about before we moved I was packing up a load of stuff with my mum's that I thought I really don't need this anymore this is stuff that can easily go to a charity shop or something like that and I went to the, the shop to drop it off and the day that I went, the, ro- the the entire road was closed off by fire engines and police cars. There was no way to get there. Mm. I was like, okay, hand that one over. I can't get there that day. And and then I eventually gave that particular box away to, to a different organisation. You know, it, it went, okay, I need to think about that. I went yesterday to, to, to get some of, some more stuff that I've, that I've now packed up because I thought, okay, I don't need this anymore. I can let go of some of it. And I got to this place that I was supposed to be dropping it off at and I hadn't actually been there before. And... I could see that there was no right turn to go across to where the shop was. There was no left turn further down the road so that I could turn around and get back. And then the street that I eventually went down was one way, taking me in a totally different direction. (laughs) I just ended up going round and round in circles. And I was like, this is not my time to drop this stuff off. (laughs) Just accept it and go home. I wasn't really in that good a mood at the time, (laughs) but I can look back on it now and laugh. Yeah, and just, yeah, that's the point. But that's where I am this week. I've done some good good stuff out of meetings and yeah now doing the next right thing really thank you so now we look forward a little bit upcoming topic includes one on music and recovery some questions you might consider if you want to contribute how does music speak to you have you found particular songs or compositions that have meaning for you maybe there's one that lets you know you're not alone in your past experiences maybe it speaks to your pain or your joy in a way that opens your heart We welcome your thoughts. Please join our conversation. Leave a voicemail or send us an email. And Colleen, how can people do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. You can also send a voice memo or email to feedback at the recovery.show. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength and hope, or your questions about today's topic of the effects of recovery or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to talk us about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website is therecovery.show. We have all the information about the show, which includes notes for each episode, links to the the books that we read from, uh, videos for the music, and links to some other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. We will take a short break before diving into the mailbag. Our second musical selection available on the website is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. And yeah, it, this is this for me, it, it's almost like a, a battle cry for Alan when you've done, from my point of view anyway, having done kind of steps four to six recently, looking at that this is me, that there's, there's uh, lyrics in it that for something like I am brave and bruised and yeah just that's how I it, brave and bruised is probably a, a good phrase for me at the moment that's having to use having to ask for a lot of courage to, to do things um, I'm looking at where it talks about having broken parts and you look at a lot of that at the moment from the past and yeah that the, that song actually it came out when I was going through the experience that I mentioned earlier mm. about going to the job that I was bullied at and then that I left and it, it really felt like a really powerful of song at the time for that because it talks about so when the sharpest words gonna want to cut me down i'm gonna send the flood gonna drown them out i'm brave i'm bruised i'm who i'm meant to be this is me and yeah just feeling like yeah i can i don't have to accept unacceptable behavior i don't have to accept any sort of form of degradation i can change what i'm doing i can change my perspective i can change where i am it says i'm not scared to be seen i make no apologies this is me and um, yeah, I think that's a really powerful message. We can accept ourselves and love ourselves, kind of no matter what. Louise sent in a share on this topic. She writes, I wanted to list some of the positive effects of recovery in my life today and hope that somebody finds this helpful in some small way. The number one gift for me in recovery is the ability and mindset to live my life one day at a time, sometimes even one hour at a time or one moment at a time. 
When I catch myself slipping into living in the wreckage of the future, a.k.a. fear, I can stop and remind myself to keep my head where my feet are. Another wonderful effect of recovery is I notice the green grass and the blue sky, butterflies, birdsong, and flowers way more than I ever used to. I think this is called being in the present, which I heard is a gift from God, and that is why it is called living in the present. I haven't heard that one before. Today, I still live with active alcoholism, which wants to constantly pull me back into fear and obsessive thinking, but recovery has given me a whole new toolkit, which I need to strap on daily. I start my day on my knees every day and turn my life and my will over to my higher power, whom I call God, and surrender all my loved ones into his loving care. Today, I get to wrap them all up in a spiritual blanket and turn them over one by one. Today, I know that as much as I love them all, he loves them even more and he has a plan for their lives. And that plan does not include me being the great and almighty puppet master. Do I do all this perfectly on a daily basis? Not even close. I do sometimes slip into fear and control, but because of the good effects of my recovery today, I don't stay there. Today, I can be quick to see my part, take ownership, and correct my wrongdoings brought about by my own distorted thinking. Having grown up in this disease today, I know that my first thought is pretty much always wrong. So this is why I need to pause when I'm agitated and to practice my breathing techniques, pray, make a reach-out call read some literature, attend a meeting, listen to a podcast, etc. I came to these rooms over five years ago and honestly cannot imagine how my life would have gone without program. I'm so very thankful that God brought my original alcoholic back into my life and that his dis-ease led me to these rooms where I quickly identified as an adult child of alcoholic parents and grandparents. This truly is a multi-generational disease and I am beyond thankful that today I have a program of recovery, one day at a time. One of the other wonderful effects of my recovery is I can let go and let God. I don't need to fix, change, or impose my views, beliefs, or ways of living onto anyone. The life I live today is very different than the life I lived before a program. Today, I can look at everyone through the lens of God's eyes and catch myself when I have slipped into being judgmental. I wake up every day and I need to put on two pairs of glasses, my physical ones and my spiritual Al-Anon glasses, so I can see people for who they really are, people doing their best with what they have and where they are, and my only job is to get into radical acceptance that I am powerless over the disease of alcoholism. I can stay right-sized today, not better than and not less than. Today I can take what I like and leave the rest. I apply this slogan to my marriage often. I don't need to throw away the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. I can separate the person from the disease and learn compassion. There are so many wonderful effects of recovery, but these are to name but a few. So filled with gratitude for my personal recovery, and especially for this, The Recovery Show, where you get to show all of us the benefits and tools of this whole new way of living by providing a platform for all of us to display our recovery. Thanks again, Spencer, and I look forward very much to hearing all the shares in this episode. Peace and blessings, Louise in California. Thank you for that, Louise. Thank you for sharing your effects of recovery. Karen writes, Hi, Spencer. I was thinking lately of how important spiritual discipline is in my program. This has been a really tough time. COVID, divorce, three moves, active alcoholic. And I have to be disciplined in my thoughts or I go right back to where I started. Thanks, Karen. And I believe she's suggesting discipline as a topic idea spiritual discipline, as it applies to the program in particular. So thanks for the idea, Karen. Caitlin left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. My name is Caitlin, and I just wanted to thank you for everything that you and the Recovery Show do. I started going to meetings after listening to one of the Our Voices episodes, and I also really love all the work that you and Eric do but I particularly wanted to reach out and thank the woman who came on the other week who spoke about domestic violence and domestic abuse. It's really important, and I was in a similar situation. When she mentioned the feeling of thinking that you were going to be murdered if you went to sleep, I resonated with that a lot. I've been in Al-Anon 
since November of 2019, right before the lockdown of the pandemic, I left my marriage. I'm getting divorced this week, and I was in a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship with an alcoholic who was using AA to date other people. And I don't know if anyone else has had that experience with an alcoholic, but I definitely didn't realize it. My sponsor said something to me when I left my abuser. She said to me to take a week and see how I felt before I decided whether or not to go back. And when people are making you feel crazy, I think it's really important to take that space and ask yourself, is it me who's crazy? Is it something wrong with me? Or is there something wrong with my environment? Because it wound up being my environment. And I wish I could take back all of the time that I thought it was me. But at the same time, I don't. Because I know who I am more than ever now. And I'm actually in school now to become a paralegal. And I'm hoping to be able to improve the lives of a lot of other people. And all of that started with this podcast. So thank you. And keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin, for that. And Darby writes, Hi, Spencer. I want to thank you so much for your amazing podcast. My name is Darby, and I'm an alcoholic who, by the grace of God and AA, have been sober for 12 years. A few years after I got sober, my brother showed signs of the disease too and spent the next several years slowly dying. I thought I had what I needed to go through this with my parents and my brother, but I was wrong. I thought I was not handling his disease and how it affected our family and his because it was just too close to home, kind of like we don't sponsor loved ones or close friends. Yet as time went on and I continued to pray for him, I was led, after searching the web on how to deal with someone you love and their addiction, to... Drum roll. Elanon. How in the world did I not realize that sooner? I guess because I was linear in thinking that I was AA, so that is all I would ever be. Oh, how wrong. Your show has taught me so many things. I feel like I see many things in a very different way. The three C's. The moment you describe seeing your wife sleeping and knowing that person you fell in love with is still in there. Mary Pearl T and the steps to the speakers and more. I'm so very grateful that you do this show. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're making a difference one day at a time, Darby. Thank you so much, Darby. Alina shares on the topics of fun and on participation, harmony, and being heard. Hello, my name's Alina. I just wanted to share on episode 113. The topic was fun. I talked about do you have fun and how the program has changed me because when I came into the program, it was hard transition for me. It was a difficult time. I would say there was a lot of depression, a lot of negative aspects then since coming into the program and realizing I can still be okay and I can still find happiness, whether my qualifier is still drinking, using or whatever or not. So that was really hard because back then I struggled a lot with like codependency and I still struggle with it somewhat now. It's a lot better than what it used to be. So that's progress. It was definitely hard for me before to have fun knowing what was going on, what I couldn't control, what was out of my hands, what I could or could not see that was going on. It was a lot. I don't know what exactly changed or was the turning point for me, but I know that Definitely my sponsor and my Al-Anon friends and just having that support and just seeing the progress that other people made and knowing that I wanted that same thing and I wanted to be able to do fellowship before or after a meeting and just laugh and have fun. To me, fun doesn't always have to be like super exciting over the top, but it definitely has to be me having my serenity and just doing something that I enjoy, whether it be connecting with nature or having, you know, a, a good day with family, just you know, spending time, maybe just relaxing and not really going with the fast pace of life, just slowing down, relaxing, maybe reading a book, having a clean house, maybe cooking a good meal, 
just little things like that, going out to dinner or walking my dog, you know, stuff like that. What The things that I could enjoy and realize and be in the moment, that to me is fun. So I am grateful for the program and I'm grateful for everyone that I've met through the program. And I'm grateful for this podcast too, because it's helped me realize all the recovery that's out there. So thank you. I wanted to share on episode 114, which was about participation, harmony, and being heard. This was a really good topic because I struggle with this. And I think maybe I always have, but I never really knew it until being an adult. When you're a child or growing up, you just feel maybe this is how things are supposed to be. I know that that was just my way of thinking. I guess I didn't really realize it until I was older. I didn't think that when I was little, it was just a part of routine or whatever. As far as being in the program and everything, one of the questions on the thing was in your interactions with others, how do you find harmony? I think in a way I'm kind of reserved a little bit and quiet, but I realize that I can relate to a lot of people, even strangers. I can say hi, I'm comfortable. I'm not like isolating or shy in that respect. As far as my personal life and sharing things with others, I do um, reserve that a little bit, but I think that's natural for me and I don't feel bad about it or anything like that. Sometimes I do get frustrated because I know I can relate to it a lot at work because my boss in one aspect will say, you're too motherly, you take care of too many things, you need to give other people responsibility, you need to take off your plate. And so I do that And then it becomes, why aren't these things getting done this way? Why are you letting them handle this? And why, you know, aren't you doing this? And a lot of times I used to try to explain myself, but then realized it just made me more frustrated. So I just kept quiet and maybe went with the aspect of how important is it? And is it going to change anything really at the end of the day? So I know that sometimes you can't really talk to certain people or reason certain things and it's better to just listen and let it go and it does pass. So that's been a huge help too. But as far as meetings and the program, I really enjoy like listening to people share and I always want to let people know what I think as far as if it inspires me or if it made me start wanting to do something different in my program. So I always try to reach out to newcomers especially, but also if we have a speaker or anything like that. And I've made great friends this way. It just makes for opening up for a lot of good friendships, a lot of positive things. When it comes to my qualifiers, I guess I do get frustrated with them too, because I do try to communicate a lot. I've always been that kind of person and maybe I tend to over communicate and they under communicate. And then it leaves for a lot of assumption and not knowing how that person feels and goes through my mind. And I have to remind myself that I'm not their higher power and I have my own and God knows what's best for me. And so that's how I usually reason things out. But it is hard because sometimes I don't feel like I'm being heard. I guess for the most part, it builds up. And then after a long period of time, I get really like overwhelmed and frustrated So I need to work on that for sure. I try to share these things with my sponsor and my Al-Anon friends and reason things out and it calms me down. But I know for sure that I think the biggest obstacle for me when it comes to being heard is probably through both of my qualifiers. In a way, I wish I was a little more selfish like they are because they tend to do what they want and don't really care too much about what other people think. At least that's the perception that I get. And I'm always worried about what people think and don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And I'm very mindful of how I say things and words can hurt. So I always have grown up that way. And sometimes I wish that I could just say what really is on my mind. And I know my sponsor had told me what you can do is you can write a letter to that person, but don't give it to them. Just write a letter of your feelings and what you want to say and just share it with her and then either tuck it away somewhere or get rid of it. And at least I'm saying what I need to say, but I'm just not built that way as far as saying ugly things to people. And even if it's not just negative at all. So it, it just makes me feel like a bad person. I really like this topic and I try to focus on the harmony part of it. I appreciate the podcast and I thank you guys. Thanks.
Thank you, Alina, for your shares. Thank you. Colleen. I just want to say thank you for suggesting the topic. Thank you for being here today and for all of the, you gave me like some new insights, some new ways of looking at recovery. So that's amazing. And we're going to close with one more song. When you emailed me to say that this song was going to be the last one, it really made me smile because it reminds me. So the song is Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler, because it reminds me it's like at the end of any like a night out or something or like the end of like a wedding. And that this song is like the last one that comes out when, uh, when everyone's leaving the dance. <laughs> it's like a close to the show, like a close to the party or whatever. So yeah, it's yeah, totally clips of the heart. I think all three songs are almost like a kind of journey from despair to kind of taking back your own power and like accepting that you're not perfect, but that you're that you're still lovable and accepting that life can still go on, sort of thing. And in this song, there's a really powerful for me. It's every now and then I fall apart, and just accepting that is part of my process. Every now and then I come to this point where more denial is lifted, and I feel a bit broken. Or I feel like I'm scattered. I feel like things are, and that can, that, that can be like emotionally scattered. It can be, I can become very ill. There have been times when I've become very seriously ill in my recovery. I had a period of time when I was on about 11 different medications for a really serious condition, like a physical health condition that I had a few years ago. There are times when, yeah, when I just feel emotionally scattered and that, that lyric really speaks to me from that point of view. Yeah. There's, there's a lot in that song about moving from love to despair back to love again. And yeah, it's like one of those ones that, I don't know whether you've seen Bridget Jones's diary, but when she's dancing around in her pajamas, <laughs> yeah, kind of going from love to despair to everything else in between, it kind of reminds me of that. So, um, yeah, and how you can work through those emotions in the program. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. <laughs>